Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right, well, I'm excited about this morning. Man, I have been anticipating this for several months. God began to stir my heart. I Beginning of the year, I had the entire year planned out. I knew what sermon series we were going to do when and kind of had it scheduled and had a basic idea of each series of what we were going to talk about. But about a quarter of the way through the year, God began to speak into my heart that we have forgotten about an important part of who He is. We've forgotten about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to dive into that this morning, and we're going to discover who the Holy Spirit is in our lives, what role the Holy Spirit wants to play in your life, what that looks like on a regular daily basis. But before I get into the message, let me just take a moment and welcome those from our Warrensburg location. They're watching live today. Come on, can we welcome our Warrensburg location Guys, we're excited that you're with us. I know you're watching on a TV right now, but I'm going to encourage you, be a participant. Jump in in with all fours today, ready to let God speak into your life. All right. How about you guys? Are you guys ready? All right. We're going to begin a brand new series. For five weeks, we're going to dissect this series that we're simply calling, Who's That?, We're going to take some time to look at a part of the Godhead that is oftentimes overlooked. You see, we talk about God. We talk about Jesus. In fact, this morning, we sang a song, I Just Want to Speak the Name of Jesus. We make room for Jesus, but then there's that other guy. Who's that? I want to spend five weeks talking about the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Now, look what Jesus said in reference to the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 7, he said this, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus said, it's so important that I go away, and when I do, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit, I'm going to usher in the Holy Spirit into your lives so that he can lead you and guide you. Now, please bear with me just for a moment. I'm going to get just a little studious on you. I'm going to get a little technical. In fact, this morning's message, if you're a guest, it may tend to... I feel a little lecture style, perhaps, um, but I will say also, anytime that I say that, it ends up not being that. But that's probably where it's going to lie this morning. But we're going to look at the Holy Spirit, and as I'm processing through, I want to discover what is the Trinity or the Godhead really all about. Now, understand this. As Christians, as followers of Christ, we do not believe that there are three gods. We don't believe that there's God the Father and then a separate being, God the Son, and then a separate being, God the Holy Spirit. That's tritheism. That's heresy, okay? We don't preach that. We also don't believe that the Holy Spirit is three forms of God, like steam, 
water, or ice. That's also heresy called modalism. Third, we don't believe that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one-third of God, as if Jesus is a third, God the Father is a third, and the Holy Spirit is a third. No, no, no. We believe that they are three in one. Now, here's the greatest definition that I could come up with. The Trinity is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, who are each fully and equally God. Let me read that again. Let this sink in just a little bit. The Trinity is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, who are fully and equally God. So why do we spend so much time talking about God the Father? And why do we spend so much time talking about Jesus? Yet we leave the Holy Spirit out of the conversation when the Bible clearly shares with us how vital he is in our lives. Now understand, I'm saying he. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He. How vital he is in our lives. Why is it that we treat him like a crazy uncle that enters in on Thanksgiving and we sit him to the side of the room because we just don't know how to deal with him? Come on, anybody have that crazy uncle? Come on, yeah, you sit him at the kid's table. That's where you put him. By the way, if you sit at the kid's table and you're the adult, well, we'll leave it there. I believe that the reason why we push him to the side, I believe that the reason why we don't really talk much about the Holy Spirit is because we're not sure how to process all that he brings to the table. So for the next several weeks, the next five weeks, I want to take some time to really dissect the Holy Spirit. Who is he? What role does he play in our lives? And how do we connect with him on a regular basis. Listen carefully. I'm going to challenge you. Be here every single week. We're going to touch on aspects of the Holy Spirit each week as it builds upon and builds upon this topic of who's that. So I'm going to encourage you, be with us every single week. In our text this morning, Jesus makes it very, very clear He's going to send an advocate. Now, we understand that that advocate is the Holy Spirit, but what is an advocate? If we were to look that word up, an advocate can be defined as one that pleads the cause of another. He's also referred to as our comforter, our encourager, our counselor, and here's the greatest, he's referred to as our friend. You see, the word that is used in the Greek here is the word paraclete. A paraclete is defined as one who is called to another's side. So the Holy Spirit is called to be our paraclete. The Holy Spirit is called to walk side by side with us. Now, if you were to look up an idea of a paraclete warrior 
Pastor Joe was sharing this information with me, and it really kind of opened my eyes to some things on the Holy Spirit. Apparently, warrior is a set of two warriors that would go to battle back to back. Now, if you apply that to Scripture and we look at the book of Ephesians chapter 6, we begin to read about the full armor of God. And the full armor of God talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit. We talk about the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the shoes of readiness. But if you look closely at the spiritual armor of God, there's nothing covering the back. Could it be that our paracletes is the one that covers our back? Could it be that on a regular daily basis that the Holy Spirit has your back and my back? I would venture to say yes. So the question I have for you this morning is this. Is the Holy Spirit still relevant in our lives today? Think about that. Is the Holy Spirit still relevant in our lives today? Or is the Holy Spirit kind of outdated news? Is the Holy Spirit just good information to read? Is the Holy Spirit just active and functioning in the Bible, but not really applicable to our lives Today, now listen carefully, folks. I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Spirit every day. I mean, have you been to Walmart recently? Come on. I need the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. So to answer this question, is the Holy Spirit still relevant in our lives today? I would say absolutely yes. Today more than ever before. You need, I need the Holy Spirit in my life. Not just on a Sunday morning when I walk into this place. See, the Holy Spirit isn't just there so that when we gather together and we're in the middle of a worship time and the presence of God is so real that we feel those goosebumps go up and down our arms. That's not why the Holy Spirit's here. He's our paraclete. He's our advocate. He's our comforter. He's our encourager. He's our friend. I'm going to do my absolute best in this next five weeks to cover as much information on the Holy Spirit as possible. But I'm going to encourage you. Also, in the lobby, we've got some information, um, a couple flyers out there. One called Our Distinct Doctrine, the Baptism and the Holy Spirit. We have a few of them today, and more of them are on order. We also have one on the 16 fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God. Those are the non-negotiables, the, the, the standing values of the Assemblies of God overall, not just this church, but the Assemblies of God overall. So some great information in these. But I'm going to do my best to cover the Holy Spirit from as many angles as possible because we as a church, if you look across this room, we're a melting pot of so many backgrounds. If I was to ask you today, what is your church background? Some of you have, this is the first time you've been in church in 30 years. For some of you, you grew up as of God. This is kind of the circle 
you, you ran in as a kid. For me, I grew up in the Assemblies of God. My mom was the volunteer children's pastor in the church. My uncle was an Assemblies of God pastor. My grandparents were pastors. and So I grew up in this circle. In fact, I, I joke with people and say, hey, if you cut me, I bleed type AG blood. Assemblies of God, that's, that's who I am. It's, I've always been Assemblies of God, and I always will be. Why? Because I believe in what the Assemblies of God believes in. So I've grown up knowing who the Holy Spirit is, yet on the other hand, there are those of you in the room that you grew up in a more liturgical or structured environment, and you've never really discussed the Holy Spirit much at all. In fact, your previous mindset of a Pentecostal or charismatic church was you thought they were a bit strange, yet here you are today. Now, in the book, Clear the Stage by Pastor Scott Wilson, uh, he makes a comment in there that as I was reading through this book, really kind of rocked my world. And I want you to listen carefully to this quote. Do not close off because this this quote, I'm going to be honest, is going to step on every single person's toes in the room. You ready? Those of you in Warrensburg, pick up your feet because their toes are getting ready to get stepped on. Look at this quote. Look what it says. Those who knew, I'm sorry, those of you who grew up Catholic or Baptist need to be thankful for your godly heritage. But if you ever exalt your heritage over the teaching of Scripture, you're wrong. But hold on, here goes the rest of you. If you... You're Pentecostal or charismatic, and you love the gifts so much that you exalt them above the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're wrong. See, I believe we've got a lot to learn. We've got a lot to learn. Growing up in the assemblies of God, I've seen just about everything. There is a reason why Pentecostal churches used to be... um, accused of swinging from the chandeliers. Just so you know, we don't have chandeliers. Nothing to swing from in here. So this idea of talking about the Holy Spirit, for some of you, it weirds you out just a little bit. But please understand this. The Holy Spirit is not weird. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is not weird. We are the ones that have made the Holy Spirit appear weird. What I want us to do is make sure that we are biblically accurate. Biblically accurate. I'm going to give you as much scripture as I possibly can as we go in this all-in pursuit of all of God. Now, as a church, we cannot become guilty of picking and choosing what we biblically encounter. But we must wholly pursue God for all that he is. You see, we can't just be guilty of of talking about God the Father and, and every once in a while talking about Jesus. We can't just be guilty of singing a song about Jesus, we love you, and we forget about the Holy Spirit. 
What we've got to talk about today and on an ongoing basis is a pursuit of all that God is. Either the Holy Spirit is God or he's not. Either we believe in the Holy Spirit or we don't. I can ne- it can never be enough to say, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, but that other guy has to stay out. Either he's God or he's not. Either he's God or he's not. I say he's God. It is time to passionately pursue the fullness of God and not just partial participation. So how do we go about being filled with the Holy Spirit? There's a lot of different opinions on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in this series. But I want to give you five results, five evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, you'll find these in this pamphlet as well. And the pamphlet, by the way, is not just man's opinion. Each one of the points has a backup of Scripture with that as well. But I want to give you result number one. You will have a noticeable passion for God. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll have a noticeable passion for God. John chapter 7, verse 37 says it this way. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from my heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. Now these are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me. If you're longing for more, come to me. Anyone who believes in Jesus will be filled or can be filled. Rivers of living water come flowing from a heart. The Spirit is here. Now, here's what I want you to understand. The Holy Spirit doesn't just act as a pond or a lake that becomes stagnant and stale. But the Holy Spirit is an active, moving, purposeful river of refreshing life deep inside of each and every one that seek him. The Holy Spirit produces a new passion that is not easily extinguished. Think of it this way. The Holy Spirit is a flowing current that continues to guide us every day. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Now, if the Holy Spirit is moving and active, that means there's going to be a continuous stirring inside of us. If you find that your life is stale and stagnant, guess what might be missing? See, what happens when something is stale and stagnant? It's it's no longer useful, right? It can't be consumed. It can't be utilized. It must be cast away. It has no value. And we read in the New Testament that a a man by the name of Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, had a life-changing, a life-transformational moment because of the Holy Spirit. Now, do you remember Peter before the crucifixion? This is the one that 
Jesus said, you're going to deny that you know me. And he says, oh, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you. And just a short time later, he's confronted by some individuals around a fire. And they say, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? And three times, Peter says, I don't even know the guy. I don't know who he is. But then a short time later, Jesus is resurrected from the grave. And then 40 days later, he ascends to heaven. And and then something happens. What happens? Jesus tells the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise, the Holy Spirit, that I've told you I will send. They begin to seek the Holy Spirit, they begin to seek the presence of God. They don't know exactly what they're expecting. They just know it's a promise from Jesus. The Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And moments later, Peter steps out and confronts the crowd, begins to share the good news of Jesus with the crowd, sharing what has happened. And the Bible says thousands came to know the Lord that day. Transformational moment in a man's life when the Holy Spirit took roots. You can read about these accounts in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. But each time we see a passion that is noticeably different than before, a spiritual river that could not be contained in the banks around it. The second result of being baptized in the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit is this. You will have a deepened reverence for God. Look what it says in chapter 2, verse 4 of the book of Acts. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. What I want you to understand is this. The Holy Spirit desires to be more than just a new language. We'll discuss that in a few moments. The Holy Spirit desires to be more than just a fuzzy, warm feeling in the moment. But the Holy Spirit wants to do a work inside of you that changes what occurs on the outside. Come on, let me say that again. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work on the inside of you that changes what occurs on the outside. I was reading through this pamphlet, and towards the back is a question that that I, I loved, and I wanted to share it today. It says this, the question is not only have you been filled, but how have you lived since you were filled? Come on. When you allow the Holy Spirit to consume you, to fill you with his presence, what sort of change, lifestyle, behavior did that create in your life? It's not have you been filled, but how have you lived your life since you were filled? You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit was never intended to be a once and done experience, but it was to be a daily encounter with the one that knows you the best. It was to be an opportunity to commune with God at a greater capacity than ever before. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 5. Since we are living by the Spirit, 
Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Come on, look at that. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Pastor, you mean I need to let the Holy Spirit lead me while I'm at work? Absolutely. You mean I need to let the Holy Spirit lead me when I'm in my home? Absolutely. You see, the leading of the Holy Spirit is not just while you're here in this place for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. The leading of the Holy Spirit is not just for a Wednesday night when we gather together for an hour-long worship and prayer service. The leading of the Holy Spirit is not just for a time in your life group, in a small group setting, in somebody's home. No, 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 no. The leading of the Holy Spirit is to be a daily leading as we allow him to lead us and guide us into all truth and what he has in store. So I wonder today, are you allowing the Spirit to lead you? One translation says it this way, let's keep in step with the Spirit. How do we do that? I, from, from this side of things, that seems almost impossible. How do I keep in, in step with the Spirit of the living God? How do I do that? By daily making the adjustments that need to be made. By daily allowing a change to occur in my life so that what happens on the inside is quickly translated to the outside. It's saying, Lord, make me more and more and more like you. It's stepping out in that vulnerable moment saying, Lord, whatever is in my life that is not of you, God, whatever is in my life that doesn't please you, God, whatever is deep inside of me that I'm holding on to that you want me to let go, God, give me the strength, God, give me the courage, God, give me the boldness to remove that so that I can best follow after you. Follow the leading of the Spirit's. In every part of your life. Look at our third result. You will have an intensified commitment to God. How would you rate your commitment to God today? I don't want you to verbally say here, but somewhere between 1 and 10, 1 being I have no commitment whatsoever, 10 means, man, every single breath that I take, every move that I make, every thought that I have is God aligned. I'm right there. Nothing can improve. Even getting to heaven, I'm not going to be any better than this. Where do you fall in that? How would you define your commitment. Look at the early church in the book of Acts. It says all the believers, say all. all. Who does that include? All. Everyone, right? All, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Then it goes on in verse 46 to say this. They worshiped in the temple every day. Look at that. That's commitment, right? Every day. They were allowing their relationship with God. Now hear my heart here. They were allowing their relationship with God to be done out of conviction 
not out of convenience. But I fear that in the American church today, we flip-flopped. That our relationship with God really is out of convenience. If something better comes up, eh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to God later. I'll go to church later. I'll hang out with Christians later. I'll learn more about his word later. But right now, I got something more important stirring. Where's, where's our commitments? I don't really think that we have the same kind of commitment today that they had in the book of Acts. Why not? Because we haven't come believing and expecting God to do miraculous things. We get distracted by the busyness of life. We're happy with our Sunday God. We're happy with our time of crisis God. And as a result, we miss out on the fullness of who he is. God desires to place a passion and a commitment deep on the inside of each and every one of us. Why? Because we're called to go all in. Look at our fourth result. You will have a more active love for Jesus, for his word, and for the lost. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll have a more active love for Jesus, for his word, and for the lost. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, and the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them confirming what they said by miraculous signs. Look at this. It's not just a love for Jesus. But it's an active love. Did you know there's a difference? There's a difference between I love somebody and having an active love for somebody. An active love says, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that this relationship is nurtured. I'm going to, I'm going to step out. I'm going to do what needs to be done to pursue this moment, to draw close in this moment. Again, the Bible says, draw close to God and he will draw close to you as we move closer and closer and closer to him. In response, he comes our direction as well. We're not just talking about love but an active, passionate love for Jesus. Now understand this, God is a God of action. God is a God of forward motion. That goes for the Holy Spirit as well. The love that we are to have is not to be bottled up, stuck on a shelf and only brought out on Sunday mornings. It's not a reservoir of love, but it's a river of love, an active, flowing, moving love, impacting the world around us. What about this? Who is the one that God has called you to impact this week? If our love is to be active toward Jesus, toward his word, and toward the lost, 
Who is it that God is calling you? Who is it that the Holy Spirit is directing you to invest in, to speak into, perhaps even to bring to a relationship with him? Let's look at our fifth result. You will have an unknown language. Now, this is the one that kind of gets us. We have no problem with a noticeable passion for God. We have no problem with a deepened reverence for God. We have no problem with an intensified commitment to God. Most of us have zero problem with an active love for Jesus, his word, and the lost. But this last one, this is what has gotten us for years and years and years. You will have an unknown language. Is that biblical? Where do we find that in the Bible? Well, Acts 2-4, it says, Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Let me read that in its full context today. Acts chapter 2. The disciples and many of the followers had gone to Jerusalem. They were in an upper room. They were spending time in prayer and just seeking God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty rushing wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like tongues or flames of fire appeared and settled on them. Verse 4, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Please understand, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not so that you can become spiritually bilingual. That's not its purpose. For too many years, people have sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the manifestation of speaking in tongues. Here's what I want you to grab a hold of. Seek the giver, not the manifestation. Because when you seek the giver, the manifestation will come. When you seek the presence of God, when you seek the spirit of God, when you seek for more of God, when you press in for more of him, naturally the, the occurrence, the, the, the manifestation of who the spirit is will be related to those around you. Now, there are five references in the book of Acts when people received the gift of the Holy Spirit and they spoke in an unknown language. Now, why is it that the assemblies of God believe so much in speaking in tongues? Because every time someone is filled with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, the natural response was they began speaking in an unknown language. I know for some of you are like, what are you talking about, Pastor? I want you to go back this week, guys. I want you to read through the book of Acts. I want you to process through the book of Acts. Really allow God to begin to speak into your life. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to find out more about this unknown language that the Bible is talking about, that the Holy Spirit begins to speak through you and utilize in your life. And we discover very quickly that this gift, this unknown language, it's vital for our spiritual development 
and our growth. Now, Paul says, don't despise speaking in tongues, but use it properly. We'll talk more about this in the weeks to come, but please make it a priority. Again, be here as much as possible the next five weeks as we dig into this. I want to look at three views very quickly of how the Holy Spirit is received. Now, we've talked about what are the evidence of being filled, but now how do you receive the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you three views that are out there. The first two, I don't believe. The third one, I believe, and the the same as that God believes. The first one is this. You receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. Now, we're going to talk more about this next Sunday. There is an element of the Holy Spirit because the Bible says you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he takes residence in you, but the infilling of the Holy Spirit is a separate occurrence. Many have taught that you receive it at salvation, but we'll quickly discover that the Bible clearly teaches that it's a separate experience. Again, I'm going to dissect this next week. It's too much information for right now. So next week, join us, be here. I'm going to really pour into this. Number two, you don't speak in tongues at all. In other words, you have the Holy Spirit, but you never speak in tongues. That the unknown language was just for the early church. Now hopefully you've seen this morning that the, this gift of tongues is vitally important. You may not have all the answers. You may not be able to really process it yet. But you have a clear understanding that tongues is important. And finally, this is the one we believe as the assemblies of God. The one that I stand to as well. You do speak in tongues. This is the position of the assemblies of God. The initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this unknown language referred to as tongues. I agree with this position, but I will say again, don't seek the tongue, don't seek the manifestation, seek the Spirit. Too many have gotten tripped up trying to figure out how to speak in an unknown language when if you'll just seek the Spirit, the Spirit will begin to move, okay? I'm convinced that God wants to fill everyone with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 tells us that God desires to pour out His Spirit on all people. All people. Not just those in the New Testament. Not just those in the early church. But each and every one of us. Now, for some of you, this series This is uncharted territory. This is brand new information for you. Some of you in the room, this is the world that you grew up in. You know a lot. You can probably even teach me a few things or two. But regardless where you are in this, I want to challenge you over the next five weeks. Would you open up your heart? Would you let God begin to speak into your life? Perhaps there's something more that God wants to pour through you. Perhaps the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. Would you, over the next few weeks, would you just make room for Him? Would you make room for the presence of God in your life? Let's pray.
Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.